Tonight we're hanging with the boys. Yeah, we're going out. We got the billboards. Getting stupid and feeling proud. We're going to make a lot of noise. Turn the music loud. Johnny O'Mara. Hands up for them real ones. Them good girls and them billboards. Hands up for them real ones. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bill Buds Podcast. I, of course, am your host, JPC. With me, as always, my good, good friend, Mr. Johnny O'Mara. Johnny, how's it going? It's going great. Um, today, I I was a little late to get here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's because I was prepping for tomorrow, the big day. We are, we are recording this the day before Christmas. Uh, it's coming out on <laughs> December 5th. Yeah, and I, I'm i very excited for your big day, Johnny. I consider it to be your big day. I love it. Because you love cooking. You, you love making food for people. and I do. You, you throw a hell of a Thanksgiving. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so I was prepping. I, I'm making some little uh, – I've, I've actually made them before for you, some little palmiers, little cookies. Oh, I love those. Um, very good. So I, I was prepping the dough for that, turkey stawing. It's all happening. And Mariah and I have, uh, of course, uh, bringing a dish, a dish that I think that she will most likely uh, do the lion's share of the making of. But I, I did my part already because I found a recipe, reminded her we have to go to the grocery store. And I bought, I, I purchased something that I did not own in my house, Johnny, which I'm sure that you own in your house, which is like a piping bags. Mm-hmm. Because um, mm-hmm. we're making deviled eggs and you you need to, you need to, you could just like, I guess, cut like a corner off of like a Ziploc bag, which is fine. But I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll get some piping bags, some actual piping bags. They're fun. I They're made, fun. I made, so I use them to make uh, macarons, which I, I love making. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, uh, fairly recently, within the last six months, I made a cake for a friend for her um, bachelorette party, oh, nice. which I'd never, I've never done like a kind of nice cake before. Um, but I piped some. Okay. I was like, yeah. You mean like decorated, like yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. and like it, you know, it was like a layer cake, sure. and it was like, a, and I've never really done that. Um, so it was fun to like pipe, you know, pipe around the edges and stuff. And I was, I was pretty proud with how it turned out. I do like that. Now, do you have the little like piping tools, like the little metal tips and everything? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. we just, I, I was like, I think I've had those before. I think I've bought them like three times and always like thrown them away because I'm like, what the fuck am I ever going to use these for? So I did not buy those these times. I was like, I think I could do the same thing with a fork. I think I can make a fork like <laughs> I think I just like press a fork around the edges or whatever. Um I got I I've done the same thing. I got a cuz I was we uh, years ago I got one a kit at IKEA. Yeah. But it was like a reusable bag and I was like this is great. I'm I'm going to help the environment whatever. Mhm. That you, that thing how never the Fuck do you reuse one of those bags? You don't. Yeah, you, you can't. don't. You can't. It's, it was fucking nasty, and I was like, okay, sorry, environment. I'm using plastic bags. What are you gonna do? Yeah, I mean, first of all, you know, don't fall into the myth that your individual consumption will actually have any effect over the environment. But second of all, you probably do your part to. I mean, like you recycle fucking bottles and stuff. Like you, you're, you're, you're. Well, and I know that doesn't do anything. And that just all goes to a landfill nothing. anyway. <laughs> and we, com- oh, we compost. I'm excited to throw that all, all those turkey bones in the compost. Ooh. Oh, that'll be fun. That'll be fun yeah. for the worms. The worms mm-hmm. are really the worms and the little beetles are really gonna like that. Uh, but, and this year, the, my dessert doesn't have gelatin, so you can eat it. Unlike oh, last year. <laughs> yay! Oh, I love it when I can eat the dessert. Uh, I, I, 
God, where was I recently? Oh, I, I recently went to a family gathering. It was my my uh, my dad's seventieth birthday. Oh, the party. Ju- the gathering of the Juggalos. It was my dad's seventieth gathering of the Juggalos. Uh, he went to the first his first one at the ripe age of one years old. Um, but it was the thing where sometimes when I go back to Indiana, it's like every dish that they make also just has like beef mm. broth or pork hamlins, just bacon. And, yeah, just like. Every everything that doesn't need meat, like macaroni and cheese, is like why does it have bacon cooked into it? Like wh- it's it's mac and cheese. My sister is a vegan, and um, I, I, I don't I don't think my dad or my my dad's wife are ever going to listen to this. So I'm okay blowing up their spot. But apparently, every time she like goes over there to eat, my dad's wife is like, "No, you eat you eat fish, right?" <laughs> or just like whatever <laughs> thing that she like very obviously can't eat. It's like. You you you're okay with eggs, right? Mariah, we just went home and Mariah's dad kept doing that to me. He would where he would be like he confusing what I am with a vegan. He was like, "No, you can't eat eggs." And it's like, "No, I can't. Like I just don't eat meat. Like it's I'm a vegetarian. You eat a lot of eggs. That a deviled, a devil you're constantly sucking down deviled My eggs." Dude, I fucking love eggs. Now, Johnny, I I do think it's very funny that you just claimed that you're like, "My dad's probably never going to listen to this episode because if there was ever an episode that a dad would listen to, <laughs> you know, I don't this th- episode. I've never known him to enjoy this band, actually. Is that true? Yeah. Not that he dislikes them, but he was all like, I, w- I actually yesterday, because I'm, I'm, en- I'm enjoying the last moments of unemployment before I start my job, unfortunately. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't think my future employers are going to listen to that either to know that I'm not <laughs> excited to start working. Man, um, you should have saved some of this shit for the Patreon episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> They'll never um, listen to that. But I was cataloging all of my vinyl collection, mm-hmm. which I've been meaning to do forever. I've been putting it off. I was finally doing it. And a, a, a bunch of my records are from my parents that I just stole from them because they don't have Of course. Players. Of course. Um, and my mom's was all like Beatles um, and Sticks. Those are the two bands that I got from her. And my dad's was all like Kiss and Van Halen and um, like Ozzy. That was all the stuff that he was very into. So yeah, the Fleetwood Mac, um, spoiler alert, Fleetwood Mac was, I would, I've never really known either of my parents to be very into them, but if I had to guess, my mom would be more into them than my dad. Well, here's the thing about Fleetwood Mac, and specifically the album that we are covering on the show today is their 1977 album. Now this is wild because this is their 11th studio album, but- I was gobsmacked when I saw that. But- I, 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 me too. I was like, no, this can't possibly be. And it's true. It can't possibly be because Fleetwood Mac had a lot of lineup changes and Mm. like their first nine albums were kind of like a, they were like a blues rock band. Um, Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks joined the band two years prior. And in my mind, if I think of Fleetwood Mac, I think of those two people. Right. So it's like the, the, this, this iteration of Fleetwood Mac, which was the most popular iteration of Fleetwood Mac is relatively new. There was the the album, their debut or their self-titled album, Fleetwood Mac, was their 10th studio album. And then Rumors was their 11th. So, But still, 11th studio album from a band that had many, many lineup changes over the years. This is like, I, I got to say, one of the most popular albums of all time. So it is, in my mind, I'm like, anyone of that generation probably yeah. heard this most probably owned this album, even if they weren't like a huge Fleetwood Mac fan. Can, can I, something about this album that also shocked me. Yeah. Is I was like, I, I've been aware of Fleetwood Mac. I know, 
a handful of their songs, but I've never listened to a Fleetwood Mac album all the way through before we did this. Oh, interesting. And listening to this album, I was like, wow, I know a lot more Fleetwood Mac songs than I thought. And also, wow, yeah. they're all on this album. Yeah. <laughs> I, I that is the wild thing about this album too is like I I think a lot of people our age Johnny who were not like fl- big Fleetwood Mac fans or whose parents weren't are probably in the, a very similar position if you're listening to this a- album for the first time where you're like oh shit I've heard a bunch of these songs before. Uh, the other thing that I'll say and I won't spoil what I think of this album. Okay, but I will say I think this is the biggest disparity in how much I enjoyed the album. And how many notes I took, and I won't tell you which way that goes. Interesting. That's a really that is a really really uh, I- I- interesting proposition for me. Now I'm trying to uncover it in my mind. I think I know what the answer to it is. Yeah, uh, but I guess we'll get to it pretty quickly. I I, I have to say some stuff about this album, Johnny, because this album absolutely insane. I, I I wouldn't say that I'm a Fleetwood Mac fan, but my my dad uh, especially I think enjoyed Fleetwood Mac, and I've heard a lot of these songs. This is an album that I have listened to before, but I think a big part of that was knowing how popular it was and how kind of th- th- this album has like universal acclaim. Like it's on, it's like on everybody's yeah. top 100 list, like all the official magazines, Rolling Stones and everything like that. It's, you know, one of the most popular albums of the seventies. It's to date one of the best selling records of all time. Um, th- this was, <laughs> and I think part of the, part of the popularity around this album too also comes from like it's called rumors because rumors abounded at this point and the the where we are in Fleetwood Mac history like i said uh uh well there, i'll just kind of get into it because there's a lot going on this the, album the circumstances of this album are d- absolutely off the fucking rails it, it it truly insane so let's get into it so uh Mick Fleetwood who is the drummer for Fleetwood Mac kind of the 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 person who put you know puts the band together in a way do do you think he was ever like what if we call it Fleetwood Mick? I, what do you I, think about that, guys? I think, I think you could, probably could have. I think Fleetwood Mac is a cool name for a band. It now. is. Um, but Mick Fleetwood going through a divorce at this time because his wife cheated on him with his best friend. Uh, two of the other members of this band that we've talked about already, Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks, they were previously a duo um, that were kind of recruited to be in Fleetwood Mac. They had just ended an eight-year relationship. So they have broken up uh, in in the context of this album. Two other members that we haven't talked about are uh, sometimes like singer, or I guess, I I don't want to say lead singer because it doesn't really seem like Fleetwood Mac has a lead singer, but I guess in one iteration she may have been. Uh, Christine McVie and John McVie are both members of Fleetwood Mac. John McVie plays the bass, Christine uh, sings, and I think does keyboards. They have been married for eight years. They are have are in the process of getting a divorce as this album is being recorded and comes out. Uh, Christine McVie also now is dating the lighting director of Fleetwood Mac as well, like the the person who does like the light programming for them during the course of this album. It, the the working conditions in this band insane now. Added to that, an entire layer over that is that this whole album, it seems, and I I, I really couldn't get a, a, a bead on where this actually landed, like with which members, everybody is high on cocaine, like to the gills in this album. Wild, absolute wilderness. Well, and not only is all that shit happening, every song on this album is about the shit that's happening. 
Yes, in a, in a in a crazy way. I mean, the, the, the making of this album is absolutely insane, and the lore around this album is so fun to dig into. And you, I think you know, that, that just adds to the experience of listening to it. The the Get Back special that came out like yes. a year ago. Yeah, I want that for this album. I mean, the one of the guys, like one of the producers of this album, did a like a. A book, like wrote a book about like the making of this album, and I, I pulled some of the stories that I found from it. Just, just some absolutely wild shit. Um, but, but let's let's leave that context there because also, <laughs> this album hit number one on the Billboard 200 and stayed at number one for 31 weeks. In 1977, this stayed at number one for over half a year. All the other albums coming out, this was number one. It just stayed there for 31 weeks. In the U.S., Johnny, this spent 503 weeks on the charts. And if you think 503 weeks, that's a lot of weeks, it's still on the charts. At time of recording, this is the number 36 album on the Billboard Top 200. <laughs> what the fuck? Are you serious? I'm absolutely serious. Now, it, it, in the U.K., which it was, by the way, more popular in the U.K. because it's a British rock slash American rock band. In the U.K., it is trending towards, and I think it may have already hit it, 1,000 weeks on the British record charts. What the fuck? Now, the reason it's, by the way. We need term limits. By the way, it sold 10 million <laughs> copies within its first month. It was the largest, it was the largest like pressing order pre-release that the record company had ever done. They they pre-pressed 800,000 units of this album uh, to, 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 to sell when the record was released. One of the reasons why it is still one of the best-selling albums of all time is because, like, if people want, like, a quintessential vinyl album, like, you know, if you're, like, thinking, like, what's a 70s, like, pop rock album that I could get, you're going to go with this Fleetwood mm -hmm. Mac album. So it's, like, it, it just remains to be one of the better-selling albums. We'll get to a point where everyone has it. That's what I'm saying. I'm thinking, like, one of the reasons why it's so ubiquitous is because, like, you could probably go to a used record store and find a copy of Fleetwood Mac's Rumors and be like, "Great." Can I can I tell you I did I did that. Did you? And did you find? No. Oh, wow. Sold out. Well, I mean, that's the other thing. Maybe it's sold out because everybody's fucking buying it and they just have to keep ordering more. Like, can you, it's it's number 36 on the current charts. It's still being sold. People are still buying this album. How much of its popularity do you think is because of the cranberry man the cranberry juice man <laughs> like you know the same way that like wayne's world got everyone back into queen yeah is is and run dmc got everyone back into aerosmith <laughs> did uh, did the cranberry juice man get everyone back into fleetwood mac what one song on this album was like featured heavily in like all of bill clinton's campaigns as well like <sighs> i can't imagine which one We'll talk about it. We, I'll definitely. I'll, I'll bring it up. <laughs> what a what a fucking nugget that you just dropped. I know it's it's okay. So the, I mean, look, hey, if you're a fan of this uh, uh, album, or if you um, you know obviously know more about Fleetwood Mac uh, than the two of us, I didn't dive too too deeply on it. There's just so much. There's so much behind this. We'll touch on a little bit of it, but just know that there's like there's a lot going on behind the scenes of this album in a way that I've never been more interested in what was going on behind the scenes of this yeah. of any album that we've probably covered on the show um all that to say johnny 11 songs 39 minutes and 58 seconds a new kind of a kind of a new direction they, they set out to make a pop album with this album uh are you ready to get into this fucking thing absolutely let's listen to a little bit of uh track one this is the very beginning secondhand news 
this is a this is just a great example of like absolute filler that just goes so hard. Bounce, 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 dude, bounce, down. I yeah, I wrote the same thing. It's like, who gives a shit? It whips ass. Yeah, I, 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 the 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 number of times in the past week I've just been walking around my house going bounce, 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 bounce. We'll we'll write. Wait, we'll write lyrics when we all come down, and. They just never came down, and they, baby. And they, and, they, and they never needed to. <laughs> the, the Speaking of that, you know, we'll write lyrics. This song was initially brought to the group by Lindsey Buckingham, who was singing here. And he originally just called it Strummer, and it didn't have any lyrics to it. And he brought it to the group without lyrics so he could avoid getting into a huge fight with Stevie Nicks, who this song <laughs> is about. <laughs> so, again, the context. Stevie Nicks and, and, uh, uh, <laughs> Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham breaking up at this point after an eight-year relationship and like they've been through the course of their dating like musical uh uh collaborators they you know worked together on this is their second band together so it's like just 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 wild just wilderness well and the lyrics are very obviously about like oh you were broken up and i'm hearing like we're hearing what's going on in each other's lives from other people now yes Bow, 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 bow. Now, both Lindsay and Stevie have songs on this album that they're singing about <laughs> the other person. By the way, Stevie Nicks is doing the backup vocals for this song. And, and, the, harmonies, and the harmonies are great. I, I love the harmonies in this. <laughs> Absolutely unreal shit. Uh, but I do think that on the whole, I think that um, I think Stevie Nicks maybe is a little kinder in her lyrics than Lindsay mm. Buckingham. Lindsay Buckingham seems like Lindsay fucking butthurt because... <laughs> He seems like he's got like an axe to grind a little bit with some of these lyrics, um, but yeah, man, this song sounds fucking fantastic. Like, I I love the kind of I think it's palm muting the guitar when he's like strumming. That sounds so cool and, and a fantastic start to it, this album. Just like, oh, we know yeah the whole deal about this album right now. The album's called Rumors. The first track to Secondhand News. Like, it, this is this is a breakup album that is like. Never, I don't know if I've ever experienced a breakup album that is from multiple people's perspectives of the same relationship currently happening. Like, it's so wild. It's like a real-time breakup album, whereas every every other breakup album is like, this happened in the past. This is like... There's no distance here. It's like in, in Iron Man when he, like, you know, has, like, the thing yes. where he can expand and look inside the suit and, like, move parts around. That's... We're inside of that, but for their relationship. The the other thing that I read about this album, and I don't know how true this is, but one of the... Like I said, one of the producers wrote a book about this album. They were, like, when they got into the studio to do this album, it was, like... They would get into the room. They would all like eat and drink and have like a big party. Then they would fucking start doing drugs. Then they would just start partying. And when they were too exhausted to do anything else, then they would start recording. And it's like it just I mean, Bacchanal levels of is is what it seems. Now, I wasn't there and I don't actually know. Like there could be some over exaggeration, overblown stuff, but there's some pretty fun uh, anecdotal, you know, stories there. Uh, ends going into a fade out, which, you know. Hey, pretty much every track on this fucking album does. What are you going to do? It was, it was the, it was the times. It, yeah. Isn't that weird that it's just like, this is how we end songs now. We don't. Yeah. It, it, it It's it's always weird in a modern album when they still do it that way. And I'm like, huh, mm-hmm. it seems like a dated thing to do. Um, One thing that I do like about Lindsey Buckingham's voice, and I think a, a, the, the, a lot of it on this album is that they have like – um. It's like almost like a country twang to it. Yeah. It's there's like a little country rock to it. 
something that's fun is I have no idea which one of these fools is British and which one of these fools is American based <laughs> on their voices. And I think that's great. I don't, I believe that the three singers, and, and they all kind of do sing, which is yeah. why the harmonies of this fun. band is really, really great. But you've got uh, Lindsey Buckingham, Stevie Nicks, and um, Christine McVie. I think those are all Americans. I think like Mick Fleetwood is the Brit. Uh, but I don't. I don't think the singing people are are uh, British people. I believe. Interesting. Mick Fleetwood is British. Christine McVie, McVie, is, McVie is, British. is British. Christine McVie is British. Uh, okay, I was yeah, wrong. So it's like ha- it's like half and half. I was wrong. Christine McVie is British because she married. Like I said, um, John was in the band first. She married like into the band because she like married him, became part of the band. But Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks are both American. So. That's that's the British American kind of split to this band, and like I said, the first the first iteration of Fleetwood Mac, uh, from all accounts, was a very different band before uh, they joined. Uh, okay, Johnny, let's talk about track two. This is, uh, I guess, this is kind of like Stevie Nicks's rebuttal. <laughs> uh, th- this is a song called "Dreams." This whole album is a uh, court evidence. <laughs> yeah, this is the de- this is their individual depositions. <laughs> This song is kind of like a it's kind of like a duet between Stevie Nicks's voice and Lindsey Buckingham's guitar. It's Ooh. like it's it, there is like this this like very emotional back and forth. Like she's singing and he's crying. <laughs> like that's that's kind of how it feels. <laughs> uh, uh this I mean this song is a fucking all-time banger. Absolutely. Um I love the I and I love um like switching back and forth through all of the different vocalists throughout the album. I think that's so fun. And yeah. it's done in such a way where like other bands, it'll be like, Oh, and here's, yeah, we'll, we'll give Doug a song. Yeah, exactly. But this is very much like everyone is taking equal parts and putting their own spin on things. Um, I also love the absolute dichotomy of what a chorus can be between these first two tracks. Oh yeah. Insane. Both incredible, mm-hmm. but like, Lyrically, this is a this is a great chorus. Uh, I love. There's some little bongos going on in here. The drums overall are really fun. I think I think, and it may not have been this one, but uh, Lindsey Buckingham was doing like percussion on the back of a chair, like to get the sound for this album. That's um, fun because like Ken Collette, who was one of the producers, was like Lindsey Buckingham was the king of like. Uh, finding like those complimentary sounds and he's like he could find it anywhere like when Mick Fleetwood who is a great drummer like couldn't quite get something like Lindsey Buckingham would come in and like it, from from what I was reading researching this album it did seem like 
Lindsey Buckingham certainly had a lot of vision. And I think that the way that the band kind of progressed was it became like a My Way or the Highway band from, from mm. Lindsey Buckingham. But it, it did seem like he it, – it seems like they're all really good, like – musicians in their own right but it seems like his vision was kind of driving a lot of it as well interesting specifically for this song uh which this song fucking absolutely whips um it's her voice is so fantastic yeah she it said they said that stevie nicks did not have a lot to do during the course of uh recording this album because she was a singer and like that's kind of what she brought to it um so she wasn't like tinkering she wasn't doing all all, you know all, all of these like um production, musical takes, whatever. So she would just kind of go off by herself for a while. And the studio also had a place that, like, I guess Sly Stallone of Sly and the Family Stone had... I'm sorry. I said Stallone. Yeah, Sly Stallone. He was... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I guess Sly Stone of Sly and the Family Stone had, like, an individual studio, like, built into this recording place, which was just, like, a piano and, like, kind of like a sunken room. And she would just go and, like, play Sly Stone's piano... And I guess she said that she wrote this song in like 10 minutes. So she wrote this song, brought it back to the rest of the band. And it was very funny because like the way that they described or she described it was that the rest of the band, she would do this. She would bring these like 10 minute songs to the band and they'd be like, ah, what is this? Like, we don't really get it. But she would like lay it down and then uh, the rest of the band would like fill it in basically. Mm. And this track she wrote very quickly the 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 version that we heard her vocal track and the piano track I think are both like the demo they didn't they they could never really get it re-recorded in a way that they liked um but then they filled it in with you know the rest of the composition yeah. and everything but I was like that's so interesting she just like oh hey asshole I wrote this song about you <laughs> <laughs> honestly kind of yeah <laughs> but like I said like I I feel like the lyrics here in dreams are a little nicer yes. than, than, you know, like players only love you when they're playing. Like that's not, that's not so mean. Like it's just, no. it's kind of like a, it's kind of like clear eyed and a little like factual, but it's not like, you know. Well, and there, there are a couple of tracks on this album that are almost like sort of positive breakup songs where it's like, yeah, you know, like uh, this, this sucks now. Like, thunder only happens when it's raining. This sucks right now, but when the rain washes you clean, you'll know. We'll have, we'll have, we'll get through this and things will be better on the other side. Yes, exactly. Not all, and and I think, again, it's just, I think it's like different people's perspective. It seems like maybe Lindsey Buckingham maybe was more hurt or at least expressing his hurt in a different way than some of the other people. Um, And then Christine McVie's songs. Like she said, even when her and her husband were getting a divorce, like she loved him still. She just wasn't mm-hmm. in love with him anymore. And, and you know, it's like I think he had like a drinking problem, I believe. And so she just like eventually couldn't take his like drinking problem anymore, which just, you know, it seems like a valid reason to uh, to break up. We're all trying to do cocaine. Stop fucking drinking, John. We are on an upper. <laughs> you are on a downer. What the fuck do you not understand about this? <laughs> the vibes are so off. Uh, speaking of the vibes being off, absolutely <laughs> wrong, because we're going to go to track three. Uh, this is Never Going Back Again.
All right, that's a little bit of, a, of never going back again. Uh, Johnny, what do you think about this one? There's another Lindsey Buckingham song. This was one that I've heard this song a billion times. had no idea it was Fleetwood Mac. Oh, yeah. Wow. Interesting. This was just one of those songs where it's like, I've heard this song. It's just a song that I know. Mm-hmm, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, shit. Okay. Um, I think this is a nice little song. And the, that guitar is like, it's like an iconic guitar riff. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I, I this is another one where it's like, he is, seems a little upset, a little it, angry. Yep. Blaming, blaming the other person a little bit. A little but I, I do think it's a... It's a nice little ditty. Yeah, I think I think so too. Um, the, it's it's funny the the anecdote that I read about the like the brightnesses of of his picking like it just sounds so mm. like bright. Well, they were recording this, and the producer uh, Ken Calais noticed that after about like twenty minutes, because they were recording and recording and recording takes and takes and takes, that the picking it didn't like sound as bright on the recording anymore. So he asked the roadies if they could restring his entire guitar every twenty minutes because new strings made that like picking Whoa. sound sound so much brighter and he was like the roadies were gonna fucking kill me but it's an iconic riff and it sounds like you can kind of hear it like maybe maybe me knowing that about it makes it sound like i like oh yeah the, he's right about that but it does sound like very like bright and plucky you know that's cool uh yeah just just an absolutely wild thing to do but yeah, I, I agree. I think that this song is nice. It's a nice little change of pace. Like we have secondhand news, dreams, and now this kind of like little shorter kind of acoustic mm-hmm. ballad thing. Yeah, it's it's nice. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's hit track number four now. This is probably another one of their classic songs. Uh, this is Don't Stop. Great guitar solo, Taste, tasty little guitar solo. Oh right. yeah, a little bit of a, a little bit of a don't stop, um, uh, Johnny. I mean, this is another one you must have heard before. Absolutely. Yeah, th- this um, is this is the one that Bill Clinton used like in all of his campaigns. Okay, yeah. fair fair enough. Mm-hmm. This this is another one that's like it's this is like a a positive breakup. Yes, I agree. Uh, and just like <laughs> a wild a wild song. I mean, every song on this album is like my notes for every song on this album are the same. It's like this is fucking wild. <laughs> yeah, the 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 reason why this one is a little more positive and a little more bright is because this one is written by Christine McVie, mm-hmm. um, and again, her her relationship with her uh, ex husband seemed a little less combative than the Lindsey Buckingham yeah. Stevie Nicks thing, and it is like you know. Yesterday's gone. Yesterday's gone. But like brighter days are ahead. Uh, and this was this is this is a duet between Lindsey Buckingham and Christine McVie too. Yeah, I, I and I, I again, it's that same sort of thing where it's like, don't you know? 
don't don't look back like we're things will be after all of this things will be better yeah just focus on like what good is to come and i think that's nice it, it's funny because the verse verse two is christina mcvee singing and she says why not think about times to come and not about the things you've done if your life was bad to you just think what tomorrow will do and it's funny to hear it's like she's literally singing that to her husband ex-husband who's playing bass guitar like right there it's, it's the layers of this album are absolutely wild to me meanwhile lindsey buckingham is shaking his head glaring <laughs> at stevie nicks like i didn't write this these are not my thoughts they're not my words um yeah man just wild but again another just fucking banger of a song yeah. like a really really straight up great pop song and so far, we're four tracks in. You've heard every one of these songs. Like, before listening to this album, like, I've heard every one of these songs. These are, like, fucking all-time classic bangers, All you know? Yeah, I mean, even the side, I think side uh, one, side A of this album definitely has more of those, like, classic mm-hmm. bangers. But, but yeah, it's like, it is wild that, like, all of these songs kind of are pretty iconic. Yes, yeah. Um, all right. Speaking of iconic Johnny Jesus, Jesus. Christ, uh, let's let's hit track five now. This is a song called "Go Your Own Way." Just, just an out of control guitar solo here. Really, really great stuff. Uh, that's a little bit of "Go Your Own Way," Johnny. What, what are your thoughts on "Go Your Own Way"? Never heard this before. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought it was neat. Um, man, I, what a great! In spite of the fade out, what a great fucking song. Yeah. Um, and it's so like bittersweet. Um. Uh, uh, I I love I love that that bittersweet like yeah I don't know For, between the the lyrics and musically it's just like there is something sad and hopeful about it that mm-hmm. I love um and the man the drums are the drums are fucking hot in this song yeah the the, the song comes together so perfectly like so well the all of these songs though they they have these fucking great stories to them because. They're they're recording this. They're I think they're recording most of this album in Florida. The the they're recording it in a house uh, that I think I think Mick Fleetwood said had like a bad vibe to it, like a haunted vibe to it. Uh, yeah, it's in Florida. Do you know Do you know where in Florida? That's intriguing to me. Uh, they, they 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 took some time off after their tour and they rented a house in Florida to work on new material. Um, and I think that the Stevie and Christine were staying like off site somewhere else, uh, but they were like using this house to like record. And this is during the middle of their breakup. It was like a, a haunted house with a bad vibe. Everybody's breaking up. It's just like such a weird 
place to be put in this. But this song specifically, I think when Lindsey Buckingham first brought it, like you can even hear him in this song. He's kind of like screaming this. Like he's mm-hmm. like he's like shouting this song. And I guess when they first brought it, like it was like dark and angsty and like screamy. And the producers were like, is this a song? Like what do we do with this? <laughs> And, and, you know, they spent a lot of time working on this album and it took shape and like the solos, the two different guitar solos that came together. It's just just very fascinating how you can kind of hear like the direct translation of the emotion of the things that they're doing onto the song. Yeah, it just uh, I got nothing else to say. It's just a fucking incredible, incredible song. Now, there's verse two, Lindsay, Lindsay Buckingham. And by the way, Stevie Nicks is singing like backup on this song, which they, they you know, very often do. There's a lot of like, you know, uh, kind of choral work going on. Lindsay Buckingham, verse two says, tell me why everything turned around. Packing up, shacking up's all you want to do. If I could, baby, I'd give you my world. Open up everything waiting for you. Now, Stevie Nicks had to sing backup on this song, and she was said she wanted to walk across the stage and kill him every time she sang it because he's saying that all she wants to do is, like, pack up and go shack up with a bunch of guys. Like, you, you broke up with me. All you want to do is go fuck a bunch of guys. And she was like, he knew it wasn't true. I knew it wasn't true. He put it in the fucking song, and then he made me sing it. And I'm like, that to me, I'm like, Lindsey Buckingham, I, 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 I'm, I think I can go on the record. Lindsey but hurting him because the guy's <laughs> absolutely butt hurt over this breakup. I and to uh, uh, God, everything about it is just yeah. so wild. Like I, I can't imagine. I guess if that's if if like your only outlet for your emotions is your music, you know whatever. But it's just wild that also your ex-wife's only outlet for her emotionist music and it's the same band. <laughs> the the but the 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 absolute like tension going on there t- to take it away and make this song that is like a fucking awesome song is is so oh god yeah wild. You know cuz it worked. It all worked. Like whatever was going on worked really well together. Something I love about this song too is like you can go your own way, go your own way. If you just take that at face value, I'm like, that sounds very, like, positive. Like, yeah. you, we're going to live these separate lives. You can go your own way. But the way that it is sung in this song is the con- the subtext is fuck you. Yeah. Like, you can go your own way. You can call it another lonely day. Enjoy your miserable life, bitch. Like, that's what this song is. And it's so, it's so funny. Um, I'm going to put it on the record right now. First of all, this will never happen. But. If Jessica and I ever get divorced, Amen. which again it won't happen, again, we won't happen. we will start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I invite you and Mariah to do the same. Oh God, I really, I mean, that's best case scenario. Best case scenario is we get divorced <laughs> and we have a successful podcast about it. Um, yeah, I mean this 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 was also the first single. I think it feels like every song on this album was a single, but this song is fucking awesome. I love this song. It's out of control. Uh, let's listen, Johnny. The last side, the last song on side A. Um, this is Songbird. Songbird singing in the dead of night. That's what I, I literally thought that. As, every time I see Songbird, I think that. <laughs>
It's kind of funny because all of the like very nice kind of like sweet songs are all like Christine McVie's songs. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you could tell you could tell there's like many different breaking breakup experiences going on on this album. I think this is the perfect spot for this song. Absolutely. Like we've just gone a fucking hundred miles an hour. We're taking it down. Also, this has like maybe my favorite line in the whole album. Oh, interesting. Or my favorite lyric. Um, it's in the chorus and the songbirds are singing like they know the score. I think that is such a fucking cool line. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's writing. That's, yeah. that's writing right I there. I think that that's, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, there's like, so there's, it's a double entendre. Like it's, you know, it's, it's there's a lot going on with a line like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's great. Yeah. I, th- this song is great. Like it's really, it's really, re- it sounds so pretty. It's a perfect place for it in the album because it's right after Go Your Own Way, which is like at least like it's got like an angrier emotion behind yeah. it. And, and this is like a, a kind of a very sweet song, you know? And I love you, I love you, I love you like never before. Like, yeah. It, yeah, I don't know. This is it's it's almost like acceptance that the relationship is falling apart but also like wishing it wasn't like in the bridge and i wish you all the love in the world but most of all i wish it from myself like yeah because it is a breakup song but it's like a breakup song about a person that you still care about you know yeah which i think is like the the a lot of the piece that is not always obvious from some of the other songs in this on this album well and and a lot of other breakup songs in general it's usually like hey fuck you but this is like Ah, oh, bummer. The the this song was recorded. Johnny, um, they wanted to give it this like big, expansive sound, so they like recorded it in an empty amphitheater. Mm. So it's just Christine McVie playing piano. You can hear Lindsey Buckingham's acoustic guitar on this as well. He was like right off stage, like playing acoustic guitar to keep time, I guess, or to like keep rhythm for her while she was playing piano. Um, but it, it makes it into the final track. They had two mics on the piano and then 13 other mics in the amphitheater to capture like the expansiveness of the sound. So this was a this was a 15 track. It's just like hearing the way that they made albums back then. It's like a wild use of resources when now people just do it on their computer like at home. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's so funny. That was another thing that was crazy to see on Get Back. Just like. Oh, yeah. All just all the wild shit that that you would do to like get certain sounds. It, yeah, and now it's and you now you could just have like a, a library of all those sounds on a computer. And it's just yeah, it's, back, it's just the Wilhelm scream. Back then you had to eat 40 pieces of toast a day and <laughs> smoke a pack of cigarettes. Uh well that's the end of side A so Johnny, let's just roll right into side B. Now, okay. I did say I did say that a uh, uh, side uh A has a lot of the hits. Well, side B starts off with a fucking absolute banger. Um this is track 7. This is The Chain.
Unreal. Love that. Love, love, love that, like, bass solo into the guitar solo. Fucking so good. The 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 fucking tasty bass solo on here is unbelievable. Yeah. And then it and like you said, it leads to that absolutely sick outro. Um there's this one had a, a fun like left and right yeah. um division. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which was which was neat. I feel like we don't really do that in music much anymore. No. But it happened a lot back then. Um it just uh, just t- t- fucking all-time out of control banger yeah this is an all-time classic it's this is my favorite song on the album it's probably my favorite fleetwood mac song of all time um it's so good the 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 story behind this why they even called it the chain is because they kind of like mixed three different songs into this they had all these like disparate parts floating around that they didn't really know how they fit together and then they kind of chopped them up and put them into this song which is wild because the song sounds so like coherent like and cohesive mm-hmm. you know it just sounds like it was this this song the whole time I, I don't know it's it's fucking out of control and that bass solo into guitar solo is all just, time all time it's, shit. it's so fucking good it's so fucking good i i will i will say love this song love some of the lyrics here damn your love damn your lies oh that's <laughs> that is such a good that is such a good lyric uh <sighs> Like, yeah, I mean, the, I don't know what else to say. This is a, this is like an unreal song. And this is coming hot off of side A. Yeah. Which was six other fucking bangers. And, and this one, like Songbird is slow and sweet. And this one just kind of explodes. And it's like in your face and it's mean. And it's, you know, um, Johnny, some 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 history about your old friend JPC and and mm. some Fleetwood Mac bona fides. Uh, when I was a senior in high school, um, my friend uh, Peter Doherty and our friend Laura, and I think my friend Darren Cohen. I, I'm trying to remember uh, who all was involved with this project. But for our senior year talent show, uh, we did a uh, we my buddy Peter, who was in a band and new Pro Tools and stuff, we remixed a rap song. Uh, using the hook from the chain, and we performed that at the at our talent show. And I think we got runner up, so it was wow. It was a very fun thing to do. And I know you. If your next question is, do I remember any of the rap? I do not. Okay, well, it was. I guess that means we have to write a rap I, wh- over the chain. What's funny is like a few years after we had done that, some I can't remember what rap what artist did it but like someone did a song that was using the chain as like a hook because how could you not like it's a very it's a very good like hook um i do remember that my verse started and the only reason i remember it is because it's the only lyrics that i kept the same were listen to the wind blow watch the sunrise but i don't remember what the Hmm. rest of it was but it was it was was very fun and we all loved this song a lot and it was fun how could you not and I've I've uh, since uh, searched to see if I could find any like of our weird recordings of it, but it was like an email address I used in high school that is long mm. long gone. So there's there's no no chance of that. Um, all right, Johnny, let's listen to this. Let's listen to track eight. You make love and fun. This one, uh, this one is. <laughs> I got a lot of fun stuff to say about this one.
All right, that is a little bit of uh, You Make Love and Fun. Another Christine McVie song. Um, I think her, her first one of the uh, of the back half of the album. Some fucking funky bass in here. Yeah this this one's this one's got a little bit of that funk to it. Um, and man, she, again, it's like she's such a good singer. Like mm-hmm. the the God the the Do you believe? Oh, so fucking good. So fucking good. Yeah, and it, it, this is another like positive. I, on an album that's so negative, yeah, <laughs> it's a nice little like ray of sunshine. It's so funny that once you understand, like, oh yeah, who's singing it and what the song is about, you get you know who who's going to mm-hmm. have the sunshiny things. Because here's what's going on in this song: Christine McVie told her husband that this song mm-hmm. was about her dog. Incorrect. It was about Curry Grant, the band's lighting director, who she had started up a new relationship with, and while her ex husband is in the band playing bass. She's singing about how great it is to fuck her new boyfriend. <laughs> like but it's... but her ex-husband just thinks she's singing about fucking a dog. <laughs> the dream. One of my favorite little anecdotes, Johnny, that I researched, that I found when researching this, came in the form of this song. I'm going to read it verbatim. This is, I think this is from his book, but this is producer Ken Collate said, I remember when we were doing the background vocals, Stevie and Lindsay were having an argument, vicious name calling. You motherfucker this, you fucking bastard that, back and forth it went. The tape would start rolling and they'd sing, you make love and fun. Just beautiful. Two little angels. The tape would stop and they'd be calling each other names again. They didn't miss a beat. That is so fucking funny to sing you make love and fun and and you're in the middle of an argument like you fucking piece of shit. (laughs) Imagine being so good at what you do. Or being so high. <laughs> or just being so fucking high that you forget what you're doing when the music hits and you're like, you make love and fun. <laughs> oh. God. This song rules. I love this song. It's such, that was a it's fantastic such a good song. song. And another one that, like, you've heard. Yeah, you've you've heard, heard this song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, let's listen to Johnny Track 9. This is a song called I Don't Want to Know. That is a little bit of I don't want to know. Little little bit of a different vibe from uh, a Lindsay uh, Buckingham and Stevie Nicks song. Yes, I agree. Um, what a fun what a fun time this song is, and I a know. and a positive vibes, positive breakup vibes, which is shocking. Now, do you want to know why Johnny? This was uh, a little bit different, and maybe like a positive breakup vibe song because they were both fucking dogs. <laughs> 
<laughs> Dachshunds. Well, it's it's actually because this song was a, uh, a song from their previous project that was never recorded, uh, Bucking, Nick's Buckingham or Buckingham Nick's or whatever. So this was a song written when they weren't uh, breaking up and miserable uh, together. Um the the story behind this one was Stevie Nicks had another song that appears on some of the um, extended versions of this album called Silver Springs, which was very long and was cut from the album because they were like, it's just too long, Stevie. <laughs> but they knew she would be mad about it. So on a day she wasn't there at the studio, they recorded this song, which was a song that she wrote. So then they were like, we can tell her that, hey, we're cutting your other song, but a song you wrote was still going to be on the album. So it's like, uh, you know, it's one for Mm -hmm. one. You you still wrote it. Well, she wasn't happy about that. She was pissed. She was pissed that they recorded it without her. Um, Her vocal track on this song was recorded separately and then like mixed in. So didn't even record it like with the rest of them. Just just very, very funny because the vibe of this song is so much not that. It's like, oh, this is actually like a kind of a nice one. Like, you know, it's like... Yeah, it's like a happy breakup song. Like it, it, it's got the 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 like the context. The it feels like go your own way, but without yeah. the fuck you subtext to it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like it's like I just want you to be happy. <laughs> but nobody was fucking happy, except for that lighting director. Yeah, he was probably he, okay. The, the lighting director, uh, uh, Curry Grant, who gets to fuck the dog, he was <laughs> he was very very happy. <laughs> And this, Johnny, was this another one that you knew? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's like nine tracks into the album. It's pretty much all just songs. You're like, whoa, this song's on here? Mm-hmm. Was this a greatest hits album? Right. Uh, okay, well, I, here's, I think maybe these last two songs might get into a place where you are less familiar with mm-hmm. them. Uh, so let's listen to track 10. This is a song called Oh Daddy. All right, that's a little bit of uh, track track ten. Oh, daddy, uh, Johnny, how do we feel about Oh, daddy? I think this is a really good song. Uh, I th- it's like it feels um, it feels like something a bunch of like elves or something would sing. We've got uh, like the little flutes. Yeah. It feels like you know fantasy almost, and a little spooky. Honestly, what I really love is um there's like in the chorus there's kind of a a call and response Mm -hmm. and i i love the line uh, there's like i'm so weak but you're so strong and then the response the like so so strong yeah i love the way that sounds that fucking got me good i i imagine this is she calls her dog daddy. Uh, <laughs> well, so I, I, from what I researched, there was a little bit of like, you know, speculation here. Mm-hmm. I guess a lot of like 
one thing that I read said that uh, Mick Fleetwood was kind of like the daddy of the group as well, because I think he was a little older, but he was also kind of like his name's on the band. He's the one that kind of put everything together. And so sometimes like he would be daddy. Mm -hmm. Then some other people were like, no, it's obviously like about Curry Grant. Um, But she didn't want to, you know, she wanted to call him something else that wasn't that. Uh, Yeah. But I don't know. I, I, her saying daddy didn't bother me as much as it does most of the time when people say daddy. Big difference between her saying that and Rivers Cuomo saying, I'll be, I'll be your daddy or whatever the fuck he said. 100% big difference. Um, the, this one also, like, I love the sound of it. It's like a darker vibe to it, but it also sounds like the most 1970s of any thing else on the album. Well, I feel like, that sort of like fantasy thing was kind of in in the 70s yes, like a yes. lot of like like sticks and led zeppelins were singing about like elves and having flutes and shit in their music yeah yeah i i i 100% agree i mean i it it just uh, uh, the rest of the album like feels 70s but not really like dated it kind of feels like classic and timeless and this uh-huh. kind of feels like a one of those more like experimental 70s songs yeah Oh, speaking of experimental 70s songs, Johnny, let's listen to the final track on this album. This is track 11. This is Gold Dust Woman. That's a little bit of a gold dust woman. Uh, this is the longest song on the album, I believe. It's mm-hmm. like it's like about just under five. Four fifty five. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Stevie Nicks said that she wrote this one before they started working on Rumors, and she said it was about kind of like the groupies that would like give her and Christine dirty looks backstage, but then when all the guys would walk in, they'd like light up, and you know, she 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 kind of thought it was like. That, but also she said it was kind of about like her drug experience because mm-hmm. they she had never been doing as much drugs as she had been doing <laughs> at that moment, you know. So, yeah, I love this song. I think it's a great last track. Yeah, um, it's like kind of spooky. It's yeah. got uh, her wailing and like I, she's the way she's singing. It sounds like wailing almost, which I I love. Yeah. Um. And there's like some talk box going on too, which is real fun. Just a, I don't know, I a perfect, perfect last track to this album. I think so too. I it, from from the things that I was reading about this, they they would say that often Stevie Nicks would bring in just like seven minute long songs with like weird shit in it and stuff like that. So it feels like mm-hmm. she got a little piece of that on the album. But they said when they were recording this song, they did like eight or nine takes back to back, and. They kept lowering the lights in the studio 
as like she was kind of like retreating into herself from like take to take because she has these like witchy whales and they were like at one point they brought her like a blanket she put over her and she had her little cup of tea because she was like losing her mm. voice from like you know wailing in this like weird way on this it's just like very fun lore and it's also the kind of thing that when you're like high on drugs you're like whoa like put a blanket on her and like maybe she'll like be more like a gremlin or whatever you know <laughs> just like it seems well and she's like a famously sort of witch yeah oh lady yeah. Mm-hmm. so yeah just getting more and more into the witchy vibes while you're doing more and more drugs and making it darker and darker it's like hell yeah yeah it all i mean hey it fucking works it fucking works um, fuck. Well, that's it, Johnny. That's that is that is Fleetwood Mac's rumors. Uh, I mean, just a wall to wall bangers on, on this album, in, in such a in such a wild way. It, it again shocked how many. I mean, I I knew eight out of the or nine. How many tracks on this? Ten, eleven, eleven, eleven. So I knew nine out of the eleven tracks going in. That's like unheard of. It's just it's, from songs that I've heard are being alive in the world. And if I were to describe you like the the full context of what was happening in the band at the time of recording this album, and I didn't let you listen to the album, and I said, this is what was going on with the band, and they made an album. Do you think the album was good or bad? Of course bad. You'd have to say bad. It's the The fact that all of this happened and it still turned out to be this like brilliant great sounding like pop it's just so wild i have to give them points for that when i when i do my consideration but here i'll say it i have loved this album for a long time i think most people do like i think most people who like music like this album so i, I don't think i'm breaking any like new ground here but yeah. i will say this is a fantastic album and i absolutely recommend it to people uh even if you think like oh i don't really think i like 70s rock i think that there's probably something in this album that you might be like you know what i do kind of like that song that is a catchy song well, also, you've already heard all the songs. Yeah, just hear them in the in the order in the album order. In the album order, yeah, exactly. You've you've heard them individually in like car commercials and Bill Ca- Bill Clinton campaign rallies. So like now, go back and just hear them as an album. I'm always going back. Watch those Clinton rallies. Oh God, just give me something to believe in again, Bill. <laughs> Crime, Bill, Daddy. <laughs> uh, okay, well, uh, uh, we we get to the point where we have to say whether we're not we're going to put this on our top 100 albums of all time. This, I mean, if with some of the albums that I've put on my top 100 albums of all time, it feels like an absolute no fucking brainer that this one's going on. It's just such a good album. Yeah. I love listening to it, and I've loved listening to it for decades at this point. Well, is that true? Decades? No, not decades. But uh, 15 years. It doesn't matter. I, I've, I've loved listening to this album for a long time. But where is it going mm. on my top 100? That is That is an interesting choice. Because, again... I'm not a 70s rock guy, so it's like, I don't, there's not necessarily like a, it's not like my top 10 is going to be all 70s rock, like, but it's a very good album. I think, Johnny, I think I want to put this at 37 on my top 100. I'll allow it. You'll allow it. Okay, so yep. Fleetwood Max Rumors coming in at 37 on my top 100 albums for me. I think that that's a fair, I think it's an above 50 I don't think it's a top 20, but again, I'll be honest, it's an album I keep coming back to. It's an album uh, I, I I really, really do enjoy. Um, okay, Johnny, well, that's it for me. So n- now the ball is in your court. You, I don't think, had the same historical experience with this album. So w- what are your thoughts? Th- this, so I'll t- now I'll tell you, 
I loved this album and had basically no notes on it because every song I was just like, this song fucking whips whips, ass. Banger, whips. Like I said, I had heard most of these songs already. I I would also say that I'm a... I'd say I'm a fan of 70s music. Um, Fair. It's... Hey, Sticks is like the uh, the it's one of the greatest bands of all time. Um, Sticks and Stones can rock our homes. Did you just make that up? That's fucking good. You that's a that's a shirt, baby. That's not bad. That's not bad. Sticks and Stones can rock our homes. Now I wonder the Stones was more like sixties, was it? Rolling Stones, yeah, sixties. Yeah. Well, they're 60s, all they're 70s. still around. They still 70s, yeah. Shit. Yeah. Sticks and Stones. This is how I'm much also, I know I, about this era of music. <laughs> well, I'm not a huge Stones fan, but okay, I okay. do like the shirt. I do. <laughs> yeah this album fucking rules i found myself listening to this a lot Mm -hmm. a lot more than i do often for the show yeah and then i found myself listening to it after i had been done making all of my notes wow so this is obviously going on my top 100 it's an album that i could see revisiting especially it's got this this autumnal vibe to it this is a good time of year to listen to it I've had this on my mind for a while, and I thought, I thought like December, uh, this and the and the and the album we're reviewing for the Patreon um, next week. I was like, these are both like mm-hmm. autumnal slash Decembery albums for me. I loved it. Where's it going? Where's it gonna go? Nineteen. Oh, hey, nineteen. The Cuevo Gold. Johnny, this is going at number 19 for you. That's that is wild. That is I I loved, loved, loved this album. A top um, 20 album for you, Johnny. And now I is sincerely when I go to record stores, I'm gonna be trolling for this album. I mean, I could just buy I'm sure that I could buy a reissue right now for 30 bucks, but it's a little more fun to get the, the, the yeah the classic yeah. My dad gave me a bunch of albums when I moved to Chicago because one of my roommates I think had like a record player and my dad just had so many extra albums like duplicates and stuff mm. and it was you know a bunch of like Linda Ronstadt and like just like the, the music that my dad yeah. really digged and it, it, a lot of it's good but I just don't listen to records you know I'm like I'm not gonna put on a foreigner record um, but I do remember I definitely had Fleetwood Mac's Rumors and it was one of the records that I was like I will actually listen to this like I'll I'll go out of my way to put this one on i'll tell you what i just got a nice little setup going in my house because i've got the record player i've got it right here next to my desk but and for the longest time i could only listen to records in here which isn't good if i'm not like working um tomorrow when you come over i've got it set up so that i can pump the turntable to the whole house and you bet you better believe i'm gonna put this bad boy on all right, he's reaching for something. He's reaching for something. He's pulling into frame Arlo Guthrie's Alice's Restaurant. Shout out to the patreon.com slash billbudspot if you want to listen to that. Yep. Uh, just absolute classic banger of an episode that we did like two years ago. Um, well, hey, so and I, also, I got that on vinyl. We're going to be listening to it all throughout the house. Can't wait. And hey, if you're a listener and you say, you know what? I love I love this Johnny O'Mara guy. He's such a He's such a fun dude. We've listened to his podcast. We enjoy him so much. I want to send. I got. I got this Fleetwood Mac Rumors album just laying around my house. I never listened to the goddamn thing. I want to send a copy to Johnny O'Mara. Well, you know what? Hey, Riddle Riddle has a PO box, so uh, go over to Hey Riddle Riddle, find <laughs> the PO box in our episode description. You send that to him. I will give. I will give Johnny O'Mara this uh, Fleetwood Mac Rumors album that you got laying around your home, because he'd love to have it. And you know what? We'd love to have uh, a dollar. 
uh, one of your dollars. If you go to patreon.com, just Bill Buds Pod, you can give us a dollar. You can listen to a fr- uh, another freaking bonus episode every week in our off week. Johnny, next week, another album that I, I'm not going to say my opinion on, but it's one that I picked. It's a it's a autum- autumnal vibes album. It is uh, Margo and the Nuclear So and So's first album. They're in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, indie rock band from 2006. An album called The Dust of a Treat, and we will be reviewing that next week on the Patreon. Johnny, do you have anything for the folks out there in Bill Bud's land? No, no, this was a fantastic album. I hate that we have to record another episode right now because I would love to just listen to this album instead (laughs) of listening to you. (laughs) Oh, and with that, we tip our hats to you and we wish you all a fond farewell. Tonight we're hanging with the boys. Yeah, we're going out. We got the Bill Buds. Getting stupid and feeling proud. We're going to make a lot of noise. Turn the music loud. Johnny Lamar, Johnny Lamar. Them real ones, them good girls, and them bill buds.